This episode is brought to you by EarthBreeze. EarthBreeze looks like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra-concentrated laundry detergent. You just tear off a sheet, you throw it in with your laundry, and that's it. It cleans really well. It's hypoallergenic, free of bleach and dyes. It gets rid of all the plastic in your laundry situation. Right now, my listeners can get 40% off EarthBreeze plus a free welcome bundle. Just go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled free. That's 40% off your EarthBreeze EcoSheet subscription. Plus, you'll also get a three-month supply of washing machine cleaner and a laundry symbols magnet totally free. That's earthbreeze.com slash drilled free, D-R-I-L-L-E-D-F-R-E-E to save 40% and claim your free gifts. Earthbreeze.com slash drilled free. Welcome back to Drilled. I'm Amy Westervelt. You might remember a few years back, we did a season on Chevron and Ecuador and the long drawn out saga of folks living in the Ecuadorian Amazon trying to get compensation for damages from Texaco and then Chevron for dumping oil there. We talked in that episode about former Ecuadorian President Rafael Correa and his plan about a decade ago to try to get the world to pay Ecuador to keep oil in the ground in Yasuni National Park. Yasuni is one of the most biodiverse places on Earth. It's also been a hotspot of oil production for quite some time. Last year, a big election made headlines all over the world when Ecuadorians voted to stop drilling in Yasuni National Park, or at least that's how it was reported. Today, reporter Macy Lipkin brings us the story of what's really been going on in Ecuador and Yasuni and what this vote meant, means, and will mean for the future of Ecuador and oil. Welcome to Northeast Ecuador, one of the most biodiverse places on Earth. Kelly Swing founded Tipuchini Biodiversity Station here in the 1990s. He'd be the first to tell you how special this region is. Yasuni National Park is right across the river. A a hectare of, of rainforest in Yasuni has probably around or maybe even over 600 species of trees per hectare. In the U.S., if you're in a mature forest in the eastern part of the country, you could walk an entire morning and maybe not see 10 species of trees. If we talk about birds, the Yasuni has close to 600 species. If you look at the U.S. and Canada together, about 800 species. Cats, there are five species of felines in, in, in Yasuni, which is also pretty spectacular. Of course, when you say five, that doesn't sound like a gigantic number, but if you're talking about cat species, it's an enormous number. Any place you impact is going to affect more species than it would anywhere else on the planet. This biodiversity doesn't just make for a spectacular walk through the jungle. 
it also bodes well for medicine. Indigenous people use hundreds of species of plants for different kinds of remedies. They're there are pharmaceutical products that have been derived from those things that are worth lots of money. Why couldn't there be one of those plants, you know, in Yasuni? Yasuni's importance goes beyond even its biodiversity and potential for pharmaceuticals. Gonzalo Rivas Torres teaches ecology at the University of San Francisco in Quito. He says that Yasuni is key for human survival. Plants in the rainforest conduct photosynthesis and produce water vapor. Water vapor is then transformed into humidity that will go up, right, in uh, the sky, and then through winds will move towards the west. And then it will hit the Andes, right, uh, that is literally this wall to the west. And then there, you know, temperature drops, also pressure is going to be different, and then you have precipitation, and all that precipitation is then filling up aquifers or the high Andean forest here, we call paramos, that are literally sponges of this water, and then is going to be yield to uh, big water reservoirs. That is the main source for like millions of Ecuadorians, millions of South Americans. On paper, Yasuni looks pretty well protected. It became a national park in 1979 and a UNESCO biosphere reserve in 1989. But oil had already been discovered in the park by then. Currently, seven active oil blocks overlap with the boundaries of the national park. That's despite the fact that in 2008, Ecuador became the first country in the world to ratify rights of nature in its constitution. You can learn more about that in detail in the first season of our sister podcast, Damages. For our purposes, it's important to understand that the Ecuadorian constitution states that nature, or Pachamama, where life is reproduced and occurs, has the right to integral respect for its existence and for the maintenance and regeneration of its life cycles, structure, functions, and evolutionary processes. But any underground resources belong to the government, so drilling happens anyway. Rights of nature be damned. Oil extraction has become less invasive over the years, but it still impacts everything that makes Yasuni special. The oil industry is far less uh, extensive and expansive in its in its uh, operations and impacts today than there than they were decades ago. Back then, deforestation was rampant. Oil spills were more common. Oil companies built roads that led to overhunting, colonization, and noise pollution all impacts that the region is still dealing with today. Technology has changed. They've incorporated different strategies. And a lot of those strategies benefit them financially too. Uh, but it's, it's better, but it, but it does not approach an idea that Rafael Correa talked about during his time of, uh, we're only gonna impact you know, uno por mil, which is one-tenth of 1% 1 of the land area. It's like, how do you do that? Oil extraction produces natural gas, and oil companies burn that extra gas in big flames called gas flares. Ecuador banned gas flares in 2021 because they appeared to cause cancer in the people who live nearby. But I saw multiple flames coming from different oil blocks in October 2023, so I know that at least some polluting practices persist. That brings us back to 2013. Ecuador's president at the time, 
Rafael Correa made one of Yasuni's oil blocks famous with his initiative to leave its oil underground. It was called Block 43, or the ITT block, named for the three oil fields inside it. Correa asked other countries to pay Ecuador three and a half billion dollars, about half the value of the oil, to leave the forest there intact. The plan failed, and the ITT block opened in 2016. It's the most recent block to open in Yasuni, and one of Ecuador's most productive. It's controversial because some of its crude is low quality and expensive to extract, meaning that it brings in little profit, and because it overlaps with what's called the intangible zone, an area designed to protect the rights of indigenous groups living in the forest in voluntary isolation. When the ITT initiative failed, a group of young people called Yasunidos rallied to get Yasuni on the ballot. It took 10 years, but it finally happened this past August. Ecuadorians voted whether or not to stop drilling in the ITT block. Environmentalists argued that the rainforest was worth protecting. PetroEcuador, the state-run oil company that operates ITT, argued that the lost income would be catastrophic for the economy. The results were decisive. Almost 60% of Ecuadorians voted to stop drilling in ITT. This made international headlines as a win for the Amazon. Ecuadorians have voted to stop oil drilling in the Yasuni National Park, one of the most biodiverse places on the planet, which is part of the Amazon rainforest. It was an environmental dilemma for an oil-producing country, a dilemma voters faced in last Sunday's vote. In the end, nearly six out of every 10 voters chose to protect the Yasuni. We have saved the greatest biodiversity that has been recognized nationally and internationally, the leader of one of Yasuni's indigenous communities said. But in Ecuador, even conservationists didn't know what would come of it. After the break, what the referendum actually means for the ITT block and for Yasuni as a whole. This episode is brought to you by EarthBreeze. EarthBreeze has completely revolutionized my laundry game. I know that doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but honestly, I just love it. Every time I go to put that little sheet into the wash instead of lugging a heavy plastic jug over to do it, I feel like I'm doing things right. EarthBreeze looks like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra-concentrated laundry detergent. You just tear off a sheet, you throw it in with your laundry, and that's it. It cleans really well. It's hypoallergenic, free of bleach and dyes. It gets rid of all the plastic in your laundry situation. And you save a whopping 40% when you subscribe. Right now, my listeners can get 40% off EarthBreeze plus a free welcome bundle. Just go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled free. That's 40% off your EarthBreeze EcoSheet subscription plus You'll also get a three-month supply of washing machine cleaner and a laundry symbols magnet totally free. That's earthbreeze.com slash drilled free, D-R-I-L-L-E-D-F-R-E-E, to save 40% and claim your free gifts. earthbreeze.com slash drilled free. The ballot question asked voters... Do you agree that the Ecuadorian government should keep the crude in ITT, known as Block 43, underground indefinitely? 
En español, ¿está usted de acuerdo en que el gobierno ecuatoriano mantenga el crudo del ITT, conocido como Bloque 43, indefinidamente en el subsuelo? Below the yes and no boxes was the fine print. If the yes vote wins, it said, there will be an organized progressive withdrawal of all activity related to oil extraction within a year of the notification of the official results. Additionally, the state will not be able to take action toward initiating new contracts to continue the exploitation of ITT. The vote passed, but some loud voices said the government could ignore it. In early September, a video surfaced of then-President Guillermo Lasso saying the vote was unenforceable. Separately, the Minister of Energy and Mines said the outcome depended only on the vote in the province where ITT is located, not in the country as a whole. Orellana province, home to ITT, voted to keep drilling. So did its neighbor, Sucumbios. More on that in a minute. Ecuador's 22 other provinces voted to stop. If the minister were correct, then drilling would continue in ITT. Environmental lawyer Hugo Echeverria says the government was talking about a consulta previa, a different kind of vote that allows indigenous Ecuadorians and Afro-Ecuadorians to vote on projects that may impact their ancestral homelands. He says that the vote on drilling was a consulta popular, a national vote that is final. Regardless of what the politicians say, it's a final decision that has to be obeyed. Legally, it has to be obeyed and will be obeyed. The timeline for closing down ITT caused even more confusion. Petroecuador asked the Constitutional Court for three years to stop drilling, but the court stuck to one. The court also demanded that within the same time frame, the oil company start repairing the forest where it had drilled. In mid-November, Petroecuador announced that it will stop drilling in ITT on August 31, 2024. That's the day of the court's deadline. It plans to extract 11 million more barrels of oil by then, which is slower than peak production but it's still unclear how long Petroecuador has to remove its equipment and what it means to repair the forest. 59% of voters across Ecuador voted to stop drilling in ITT. But in the province of Orellana, where the ITT block is located, residents voted to keep drilling, 58 to 42%. The big reason was jobs. Ramiro San Miguel has worked as a guide at Tiputini Biodiversity Station for more than 20 years. His face lights up when he spots monkeys. He led my group trampling off the trail just to get a better look. That's Ramiro imitating the woolly monkey's call. In some of my recordings, I can't tell which noises come from Ramiro and which are from monkeys. Before coming to Tiputini, Ramiro captained a barge for an oil company. He's seen firsthand what oil extraction does to the forest. Whenever there's drilling, there's a big impact, primarily in deforestation. They destroy certain animals' habitats. Now we're dealing with global warming from so much deforestation, so much burning of gases. But when it came to the ITT referendum, 
Ramiro voted to keep drilling. He worries about what his sons will do if they lose their jobs. Tengo dos hijos que trabajan para el bloque 43, trabajan en unas gabarras, también el uno es capitán y el otro es maquinista. Ellos transportan los carros. I have two sons who work at block 43. They work on the barges. One's a captain and the other's an engineer. Si en caso que ya no se va a explotar o se va a mantener el crudo bajo tierra, ¿qué van a hacer? ¿Dónde van a trabajar? Entonces es una de las preguntas que yo me he hecho. If they're going to stop drilling, what will they do? Where will they work? It's something I've asked myself and sometimes mentioned to my colleagues. These people, where are they going to find work? It's a little complicated. Other folks I talked to were frustrated that people far away in Quito, who work office jobs and don't understand life in the Amazon, voted to stop drilling when they benefit from oil money too. And some people were confused by the wording of the referendum. One man told me he voted yes because the region needed oil jobs. But the yes vote was to stop drilling. Others suspected that the government would ignore the vote and drill anyway. Some cited a debunked conspiracy theory that Peru could extract the oil with some kind of horizontal pipe. My taxi driver voted to stop drilling, but thought the vote to keep drilling had won. Petroecuador has argued that it's helped the communities where it drills. It has built hospitals and schools and provided water filters to indigenous families. But some folks in Coca, the capital of Orellana province, are frustrated because they don't feel the benefits. They only see oil money leave the region. One man pointed out that there's not a single university in the province of Orellana. Other residents have experienced the downsides of oil extraction, like oil spills, firsthand. Jose Macanilla is also a guide at Tibutini. He grew up in an indigenous Quichua community and moved to Coca for high school. One morning, he went to bathe in the river before walking the two hours to school. I got in the river to bathe one morning and came out a little black. The river was full of oil. The pipeline had broken near Coca. My dad saw me covered in that black stuff and told me it was oil. Jose later worked for an oil exploration company. His job was to make sure the other workers didn't do too much damage to the forest while creating trails. But he saw how underground explosions, which were set off to find out whether there was oil in the ground, scared the animals. Los animales se asustaban, se volvían como locos porque habían varios grupos disparando. Entonces los animales corrían en una dirección, entonces huyendo de este sonido, pero allá habían otros que estaban disparando y ellos regresaban y no sabían a dónde ir, sí, estaban como locos. Entonces decía yo, ¿qué les pasa? Y también arriba. The animals were scared, they went crazy, running in all directions without knowing where to go. The monkeys screamed. It made me so sad that I said no more. No más. No más. Jose left the oil company and became a guide at Tiputini 16 years ago. Four years in, he came face to face with a black panther. That's his favorite wildlife encounter to date. It was like a dream for me seeing the black jaguar, the black panther. 
Jose voted to stop drilling in the ITT block and was glad the referendum passed. Estamos viviendo y sintiendo los impactos, los cambios climáticos. Entonces, pediría al mundo y a todos de que promocionemos. We're living and feeling the effects of climate change. I'd ask the world to promote caring for nature because it's everybody's lung, not just Latin Americans or Amazonians. The world is for everyone. El mundo es para todos. Indeed, the referendum was celebrated around the world as a step toward protecting nature and slowing climate change. But the vote only stops extraction in one oil block. When ITT closes, six others will still overlap Yasuni National Park, and there are dozens more around Ecuador. The vote doesn't affect drilling in any of those blocks. The good news is that closing ITT will leave about 700 million barrels of oil underground. That oil alone means 3 million metric tons of carbon dioxide won't be emitted to the atmosphere. But the symbolic impact of this referendum may be even stronger. Here's Kelly Swing again. Yasuni, probably 80% of that land area is still pretty much what it was 100 years ago or 300 years ago. When you see you know, the people turn out and vote for something like this, you say, oh, this is not a lost cause. There's plenty out there to save, and there's plenty of interest in saving it. Oil has been Ecuador's biggest export for 50 years. It spurred huge economic growth in the 70s. The country sends a good chunk of oil to the U.S. too. It's California's second largest source of crude. But that oil won't last forever. By some estimates, Ecuador will become a net importer of oil by 2031. Ecuador will have to outgrow its oil dependency sooner or later. The referendum means that that move is coming early for ITT. Carlos Larrea is an economist who helped design Correa's proposal to leave the ITT block untouched back in 2007. He says the most important thing for Ecuador's economy is to diversify. Oil has been the most important single export product for about 50 years. And Ecuador badly needs a, a, a policy of economic diversification. And our position is that actually the most important endowment of Ecuador is its biodiversity and its cultural diversity and richness. Ecuador needs to preserve nature in the future in order to survive as, as a peaceable country. La Rea points to growing exports from the Amazon like chocolate and guayusa, a plant that's brewed like tea. The region could also expand its tourism sector, though Ecuador's recent increase in crime might scare off potential visitors. La Rea stressed that diversification is key not just shifting dependence from one export to another. He doesn't want to see Ecuador rely too heavily on another product or service that could run out, lose value, or get shut down by a popular vote. Gonzalo Rivas Torres, the ecologist, sees the ITT result as an opportunity for Ecuador to take control of its future. It is a precedent for whatever can happen, and I think also opens now the door to have the discussion on what to do next. Because in 20 years, it's not going to be Ecuadorians voting to the oil companies to leave. The oil companies are going to are gonna be gone because there's not going to be more oil to extract. 
So I think now is a good moment. If you ask me, once you know ITT or while ITT is retired, that we said, okay, what is coming next for the Amazon? Drilled is an original Critical Frequency production. This episode was reported and written by me, Macy Lipkin. Our senior editors are Aline Brown and Sarah Ventry. Our senior producer is Martin Zoltz-Ostwick, who also does our sound design and composed most of the music in this episode. The episode was mixed and mastered by Peter Duff. Fact-checking by Wudan Yan. Our artwork is by Matt Fleming. Our First Amendment attorney is James Wheaton. The show was created by Amy Westervelt, who also helped edit this episode. You can find related videos, photos, and print stories for this series, along with all the documentation that we have to go along with the series, at drill.media. You can also subscribe to our newsletter there. It comes out once a week and includes a little bit of analysis on what's happening in climate, plus a roundup of the top five stories or studies to check out each week. It's never more than a 10-minute read, and people tell us it helps them stay on top of all things climate. Upgrade to a paid newsletter or a podcast subscription to fund more reporting and get access to ad-free and early episodes as well as bonus content. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week.